Professors FM. Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Welcome, guys. Uh, today we're doing something a little bit different. And so let me first introduce my co host for today, Katie Hoppenjans. So Katie is a soon-to-be graduating MBA student from the Goizueta School at Emory University and soon-to-be taking a job as a marketing analyst mm-hmm. at uh, UPS. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. What I want to do today is highlight some of the, some of the work, some of the research we do at, at Emory. Um, you know, we're, we're an academic institution, and you know, a big part of that is helping students acquire in in my case, analytical skills so they can address, you know, so they can go out into the world and sort of crush their career and sort of investigate interesting, investigate interesting problems. Katie did some research in a course I taught that I found, um, I found really interesting and I thought would make for a good, for a good episode of, of the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about it, Katie? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I ended up looking into uh, March Madness viewership and comparing that to sort of how exciting the March okay. Madness tournament is. So, so exciting to find as number of So upsets. are you a, um, you a basketball fan? I am a basketball fan, yeah. College basketball has always been a big part of my life. My family's from Kentucky, so we're, we're big. Okay. Big Blue Nation, UK where, fans. Where did, did you go to Kentucky? I did not, actually. <laughs> but uh, I lived in Lexington for a little while, so I, I feel like I'm... <laughs> I'm part of it. I understand. I, I would almost guess that Lexington is probably like uh, when I, I taught in uh, University of Florida for a while, mm-hmm. and it's an interesting thing being in one of those college towns, in that they would close the public schools for like the UF homecoming parade. Yes, they would do. That. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a similar thing. I mean, it really revolves around Kentucky yeah. basketball there. And it's interesting, right? Because it's it's like you have a professional sports franchise. In professional in terms of, I, I don't know, how spectacular it is, mm-hmm. that is also, I think by the nature of it not being professional, is totally integrated into the into the community, right? Oh, absolutely. And Kentucky really doesn't have any professional teams mm-hmm. for basketball or football or, you know, any of the major sports. So this is really, mm-hmm. you know, it's college basketball country for did sure. You, and so did you grow up wanting to be a Wildcat? <laughs> I I did a Wildcat fan for okay. sure. I think it was a little big for me. This I mean, it's a massive school. So I I went to school at Columbia up in New York, which is okay. you know it's not much of a sports school, but it was nice to have this you know I this think kind I'm, of fandom on the side. I think I'm old enough to remember, and maybe I'm getting this wrong. And I think Columbia football once set a record for sort of the most consecutive defeats. So I think that's very different than... Uh, there was one year I was there that they were for sure winless. Okay. <laughs> it, was a, it was a rough time, but they give out free beer at the games, which, which helps well, and, and I help think students get there. <laughs> this, is, this is an interesting starting point, right? Because so Kentucky basketball is, well, it's probably the biggest sports thing in that state. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Louisville is a big team too, but I think University of Kentucky is, is massive. Yeah, I mean, and it's um, it's part of the, you know, one of the things we talk about in sports is this role of community or mm-hmm. sort of the the brand equity, and it's I don't, assess the assess the Kentucky brand equity. 
Oh, it's 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 major. It's major, right? <laughs> it's major. I mean, they've got it, part of it is that they've done really well over time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think they've got the second most tournament wins in history, but they're you know spread out. As I think UCLA has the most, and they were all kind of in one ten-year period. So right, when, right. You, when you look at that over time, it's just. I mean, my parents and my grandparents, and it goes back okay. years so and years. Generational, generational fandom, history of success, ends up equating to you know this idea of brand equity or sort mm -hmm. of a very powerful or very interesting brand. And so for the, the, the non-marketers out there, when we talk about brand equity, mm -hmm. we usually use examples like, well, what, what, what examples have you been inflicted on in terms of class? <laughs> Oh, brand equity, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, Starbucks, Starbucks. You know, uh, what else? There's so many. <laughs> I feel like you have to say Apple. Apple for point. sure, yeah. Apple. Apple. I mean, you know, when I was when I was doing my MBA yeah. in the early '90s, we probably would have said Coca-Cola, McDonald's, yeah, oh, Kodak, um, <laughs> Marlboro, right? Yeah. And, and it's, some of them are still out there, for right? Sure. But we've we've kind of also shifted to now. You gotta say Google, Apple, yeah. Amazon, et cetera. And, and so brand yeah. equity is something in, in sports as mm -hmm. well. Okay. And I think that's a good that's a good starting point. So your topic of interest mm -hmm. was I think very much kind of a marketing oriented topic of what makes the NCAA tournament I'm gonna paraphrase, so mm -hmm. you absolutely you correct me. <laughs> what makes the NCAA tournament more interesting to viewers? Absolutely. Yeah, I actually started out looking at uh, ad revenue for the championship game and was thinking I would do something around that. So I compared ad revenue to uh, number of viewers initially. Okay. And it's interesting because ad revenue has just gone up and up and up over advertisers are spending, you know, more and more money on this game. Um, but the viewership is really up and down. That varies. Yeah, the viewership is up and down and it's, you know, it's there's not even really an upward trend yeah. over time at all. Well, so I kind of wanted to see what that was about because there's no rhyme or reason to that. That really. that's that's an interesting point and mm -hmm. I think it's an important point for the analytics folks out mm -hmm. there that and I would say, you know, if you think about so the, this observation that ad revenue has gone up over time you know, what you want to do, you, so you start with a research question and you say, well, what's driving popularity? Mm -hmm. One of the things that we always got to be careful about is there are there factors outside of yes. our model that are hard for us to account for? Right. Which there for sure are. I mean, in looking at the championship game, one of the things I thought about um, was just the network it airs on, mm -hmm. which has changed. It was definitely TBS this year, I think. It's been CBS most years. Right. but. For sure, that's been a factor, and you can tell that in in the years it's been on TBS. I think it was just this year and 2016. Yeah. Viewership for sure has gone down, so that's a factor. Well, and, 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 and let's let's put a name to it. It's like the media environment has changed mm -hmm. over time from something that was you know we used to have a media environment that was mostly about broadcast TV, mm -hmm. and I'm I'm guessing you know as for sure at your age, broadcast TV is something that you nearly never even thought about. It was right. always. <laughs> cable um, and you know it as the world has also changed where I think more ad revenue has probably flowed you know gone to sports over time because right. sports has been propping up yes cable TV absolutely yeah. and I think college sports in particular but mm -hmm. I, I streamed the tournament for the last few years and I'm sure 
a lot of other people have done that too. So yeah, that's that's a factor as well, I'm sure. Generationally, I'm, I'm sure that's true. Yeah. Okay. And, and so you switch to looking at viewership and I think, mm-hmm. that's, I think that's a great metric, right? Like this idea of people, I wanna say voting with their feet, but voting with their dials. Yes. Okay. <laughs> You know, people care, they tune in. And so then then I think we kind of look at this as a, and this was definitely in your project, you start to say, well, what's the, what drives consumer behavior? What drives mm-hmm. consumption? Right? And so maybe you don't even think about it in this term, but if I was sort of looking at you, like, what was your theory mm-hmm. in terms of what drives consumption and right. watching? Well, when I think about when I'm tuning into the tournament, as someone who you know, isn't as into sports, but I have this team that I love. And when I drop off most So you years, still watch Kentucky? I do still watch Kentucky. You went somewhere else. I do. But Kentucky's still yes. in your heart, I guess. I wouldn't say that I bleed blue to the level that a lot of other people do. <laughs> so I would consider myself a more fair-weather fan. Like a lot of times when Kentucky gets Rational out of the tournament. Fan? <laughs> yeah, <Okay. laughs> you could say that. But I'll, you know, I'll drop off of the tournament most years. So when I think about, you know, when do I do that, it's either when Kentucky leaves the tournament or, uh, you know, when I feel like it's not interesting anymore. So for me, I like the upsets. I think it's fun when a Loyola gets into the final four or, you know, it's crazy things happen in the first round. I think that's that's what makes it interesting. So I was really expecting uh, viewership to go up in years where there were more upsets. So your theory was, and we talk a lot about this in Mm -hmm. March Madness, is that your theory was that fans would like when the Cinderella's absolutely do well. Yeah. Let me let me ask you a couple more questions. Sure. Just to sort of fully frame this. So Kentucky's your favorite team. Mm-hmm. Who's your second favorite team? Well, that's and tough. it's okay to it's okay to say none. I mean, but, yeah. You know, do you have a second favorite team? I would say Louisville. Ooh. I know. Well, it's it's interesting. I, my follow up question was going to be: Do you hate a team? <laughs> yes, Duke. Okay. <laughs> Duke for sure, yeah, and I feel like there are others. Duke, UCLA, but but most, I mean, Louisville. If it's if it's not going to be UK, I'd like a Kentucky team to win. Okay, so we like Kentucky, Mm -hmm. or let let stretch a little. We love Kentucky. Mm -hmm. We like Louisville. Mm -hmm. We hate Duke. Duke. We all hate Duke. (laughs) It's an easy one. UCLA, we dislike. Yeah. Um, any others that sort of pop up? No other strong feelings. Who, who else would you think? I was going to ask you about Indiana. Yeah, Indiana. I don't love Indiana, but they haven't been much of a threat in recent years. So I, I can remember, you know, when I was a kid. Well, and we would. And I mean, so why, why am I asking about Indiana? I guess is the question, right? Right. Well, Indiana, isn't there some history with Indiana? Well, Indiana and Kentucky play one of these border war games each year, right? And so, you know, now, so if we just start with this kind of set Mm -hmm. of teams, who do we have? We had Kentucky, Louisville, UCLA, Duke, and maybe Indiana. Maybe, yeah. Okay, well, let me ask you this question. Brand equity? If we're looking at college sports as high brand equity Mm -hmm. or low brand equity, where are all five of those? I would say they're all on the higher end. They're all extremely high, Very high. high brand yeah. equity. You know, it, it's almost like 
the only sort of basketball royalty you're missing out on that might be Kansas, North Carolina. For sure. The schools you named are the brand equity. Yes. But the thing that you started with is this idea of we like upsets in Cinderella's. Is that? That makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. I think that makes And then those are kind of conflicting okay. ideas. I mean, on the one hand, I do think people like Cinderella stories, mm -hmm. and, and I certainly do. I think it's exciting when yeah. when a, a team you've never heard of wins, but those are not the, yeah. well, the big teams with lots of fans. I yeah. think as a TV exec, it, you might even start with kind of an open question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How'd you go about doing the analysis? Sure. So I, I looked at the number of upsets in each round for I think the last 10 years. And that was really just because those were the years for which data was most okay. readily available. And, you know, I figure things change so much over time. Can you define an upset for me? Sure. So I defined an upset as uh, any game in which a seed 11 or under beat another team. Okay. And that was pretty random. That was just, that was the number I chose. There wasn't a lot of rhyme or reason to it, but that's for me, that's the level where things are really, you know, but I, I, significant. And I think that's probably a reasonable assumption. Now, the the stats guy in me would say, well, you should have, you know, you should have done some robustness checks and you should have you sure. sensitivity analysis and tried C12, etc. But I think that's good, right? Because what's sort of the nature of, I don't know, seed 11, what's the logic? Oh, these guys barely got into the tournament right. in a way. yes. And... You know, one plays 16, right? So, you know, sort of mismatches. For sure. As well. Yes, absolutely. Uh, they're mismatches. They're the most significant, okay. yeah, significant differences in, in the quality of the teams if, if the rankings are correct. So you found the number of upsets in mm -hmm. round one, round two, round, round three, three, et cetera. Absolutely. What was the analysis that you did? So that's how we assembled the data. Now that's how we the... assembled the data. I actually assigned weightings to each of those rounds as well uh, on the assumption that the farther one of those teams gets in the tournament, Okay, the so more stake people have in it, the more interesting it is. An upset in a later round is even better, or even yes. Let's say not, I shouldn't say better, potentially more impactful. More impactful, more okay. exciting. I stopped at the at the final four. Was the last round I considered because an eleven seed has never made it past mm. the final four. What was Loyola this year? Uh, they were final four, and no, they were eleven. They, they were, were eleven seed. Yeah. Okay. So they were one. There were a couple others in prior years, mm -hmm. but not too many at all. Um, so I assigned more, I think I did like a multiplier of 12 for the final four round. And then okay. I assigned, you know, weights in between one and 12 okay. to the other rounds. And again, we could, we could quibble with that, but it's just, you know, sure, you, you sure. got, you got to put a stake in the ground. And I did some other weights and that was the one yeah. that performed the best for me. So that's, that's the one I found. Well, and I think best. that's, you know, that is something that as you start to do this kind of applied analytical work, mm -hmm. that you very quickly get to it. it's like and i would just sort of put that under the category of i've got to make a, some assumptions to actually right. do this right right and yeah. so you know you, you got a theory you gather some data and then to implement it frequently you have to it kind of comes back to sort of a larger issue of you know what are we doing in analyses in terms of how many assumptions can we make and right. how much should we let the data speak but we got to do what we got to do for sure and then so what was the the final analysis was you were looking at how that 
group of upsets mm -hmm. or the degree of upsets predict helped you predict what? What was the dependent variable? The dependent variable was championship viewers. So, so just of, the championship game. Just the championship game. Uh, and the logic behind that was that that's where advertisers are putting the most money. And okay. that's that's the really the money maker for the tournament. Um, so I wanted to look just purely at how the outcome of the earlier games impacts that game. So how the buildup of the tournament. Now, and I'm just curious on mm -hmm. this, and I, I think I would know the answer because I think TV ratings can actually be difficult to find. Was also part of it that the ratings on the championship game is something you could pull off the web, but the, the ratings for the first round might be more difficult to? Yes, you know. that's for sure true as well. So I found ratings and you know number of viewers for the last three rounds. Last three rounds? Okay. Yeah. So I looked at the earlier rounds, but I, you know, in the end, I just felt like to have a, a cleaner representation, gotcha. I felt like just using the championship round would be best. And how did you analyze the data? What tool did you <laughs> so use? So sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I looked at the correlation coefficients. I did, I ran some okay. regressions between. Um, For those of you thinking about prospective MBAs, the analysis is always done via regression. Yes. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of regressions. <laughs> so yes, regressions, correlations, um, you know, that kind of thing. And I found that there's a uh, significant negative correlation between the number of up upsets and the championship viewers. Okay. So the more upsets that happen, the fewer people will watch the championship game. So you started with a theory, mm -hmm. you took it to the data, and the data told you that your theory was wrong. Was wrong. <laughs> so I'm an outlier, I guess. <laughs> I like those Cinderella stories, but not many people do. <laughs> well, let's take a step back from that because you know, whenever we watch the tournament, the announcers love the Cinderella stories. Absolutely, and that's who gets the news. You yeah. know, I feel like that's who you hear about. Everyone's talking about. Loyola and right. everyone's talking about Virginia losing and or Butler yeah. in past years sure. and um, Middle Tennessee South, State and South Florida. Mm -hmm. That's where a lot of the um, I mean it's an overused word, but I might say that's where they start to construct the narrative right for the for the tournament. Absolutely, right? it's like, oh yeah. this this small school is on a roll. Loyola is right. on a roll. I mean, who was it the um, would Loyola have a ninety-year-old nun? Yes, that was, yes. <laughs> you know, right. it's a yeah, yeah. Those are the those are the real stories that come out of the turn. Yeah. You know, it's less exciting when a Kansas wins. It's well, you know. And so this is and this is what I like. And so it's like when I, I like to think about the analytics and how this translates to mm -hmm. consumer behavior. So Cinderella's, you know, your starting point is that this leads to excitement. We could we could debate that. Mm -hmm. In some ways, I looked at your project as a question of brand equity versus this this kind of upset-based right. excitement. And what won? Brand equity wins. Brand yeah. equity won. Let's say if you're Turner Sports and you've got the NCAA mm -hmm. contract, what are you hoping for? You're hoping for the big teams. You're hoping for not much madness, <laughs> I guess, in March Madness. Unfortunately, it seems like... yeah. And unfortunately, it's kind of a funny word, right? It's yeah. like, you know, who do we actually want to have happen? I, I guess we want to have Kansas playing North Carolina right. or Duke versus UCLA. Right. And, and these schools, you know, progressing through the tournament. Yeah. And, 
That's what you want for sure. <laughs> so you guys, we're not videotaping this, but Katie actually almost looks a little sad in yeah. terms of how reality goes. Yeah, I mean, it is a little sad. I think <laughs> it, the spirit of the tournament is that, you know, everybody can get in and everybody can play anybody. And it's that's fun, I think. But what you really want is the big... Well, you know, the big money-making teams. And that's actually great. And I think that's kind of a really interesting marketing observa observation. Maybe the ideal way to market the tournament is we spin this story about everyone has a chance, but what we really want to have happen yeah. is we actually want to have the traditional powerhouses make it. Right. Now, and again, I'm almost leery to... I won't push it too hard on this, but it's like, if you were going to take this, I think it's a great project, really kind of cool, because I think it blends sports and sort of sports fandom, and it also has kind of really kind of powerful marketing implications and marketing mm -hmm. stories. If you were going to extend this analysis, sort of make it more complex, are there yeah. other things you would think of? Because I, when I read work like yours, I go, oh, I... Oh, I want to add this, or I want to add For that. For sure, yeah. I mean, I, the two ideas I had around why this might be true was, firstly, brand equity, which I think is mm -hmm. huge. Uh, and secondly, the idea of brackets didn't really come into my analysis at all. So I wonder if that has an impact, too. So I would look at probably, you know, size of the schools and the upsets. What, what do you mean by brackets? So people have stake in this game. Okay. They fill out their brackets. So the... The gambling yeah. on the side. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. You know, I always fill out a bracket. I'm hoping for particular teams to win. I choose some upsets myself every year because I think that's fun. So, you know, sometimes people that's, might want upsets. I could almost imagine what you could do is you could go into the ESPN brackets. Yes. And look at, because you've also introduced sort of another theory here, which is that maybe people stop watching when their brackets get blown up. Exactly. And yeah. the more upsets there are, the more brackets get blown up. Exactly. So I think you could potentially sort of harvest data from ESPN and see, like... I think that would be yeah. interesting to do. I know CBS Sports, you know, just when I fill out my bracket, I can see 90% of people have chosen right. this team to win. So it's for sure out there. Um, whether it's accessible or not, I'm not sure, yeah. but that would be that would be interesting to see. I think whether people, you know, I, th I know people choose twelve over five upsets a mm -hmm. lot. That's a big one, or you know, thirteen over four happens pretty often. I would be interested to see whether the more popular upsets are, are less right. impactful than the because I, I guess it boils down to why are people watching, right? Watching for upset excitement, watching for the brands they love, or watching because they have money on the line. Right, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. And I think, you know, brand equity as well. You could look at the size of the school, the number of fans. There's data on that. See how that plays into things. I mean, there are definitely lots of factors at work here that I did not look into. The other one, well, let, let's, let's say didn't look into yet. Because yes, I, I'm that's hoping, right. yeah. I'm hoping this becomes a hobby for you yes. in your... I'm, I'm very interested now. I, th I was totally surprised by the outcome. <laughs> what do you think about, and, and this is just to see how you react to it, what if I put the idea out there, well, you know, you're, you're, you're half right. So it's brand mm -hmm. equity is really important, but maybe the ideal situation is something in the middle. So it's like, is this last year where you've got the high, you know, maybe the ideal situation is you have Middle Tennessee State mm -hmm. playing Kentucky in the championship. 
this combination of big brand versus now, Cinderella. Exactly. Now, to me, I would watch that, even yeah. if I weren't a Kentucky fan, because that's exciting. But, but that would be interesting to to examine, because yeah. you know, maybe maybe Kansas fans are are done after <laughs> Kansas is out. I just don't know. So that would be that would be interesting. And and maybe maybe that's what you know the the. And it's always hard to find like data as granular as you want, but I can right. almost imagine a scenario. It's like, okay, well, Kansas drops out or Kentucky drops out, a big chunk drops out. Mm -hmm. But maybe if the right kind of Loyola progresses, then you get almost like this like diffused, like broad sure. audience that's tuning in while you lose sort of this strong, specific audience. It's That could be, yeah. My yeah. team's out, so I'm going to root for the little guy. Yeah. I think I think there's a lot of truth to that. It would be interesting to see how many Virginia fans dropped off this year after yeah after the first round. If you could actually, if, and again, this is this is one of the the curses of analytics. Yeah. As we have this conversation, I start to think, boy, I wish we could get this data I or know. that data. Yeah. Right? Could we see how the ratings perform in Virginia when that team loses? Or right, right? yeah. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, that, I can look for that, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, like I said, loved your project. Thought it was a great topic. Cool sports issues in terms of consumer behavior um, with some really kind of large marketing implications. So thanks very much for coming on and talking about it. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun.